Hey guys, what's up? You just tuned in to your favorite podcast, Phenomenon Nations. I'm your host, Blaze9. Um, today, I'm going to be talking about the things that are not so human. Such as the Slender Man, or the Wendigo. Or the Wendigo, I don't, I don't know how you like pronounce it. But um, yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing this episode. So let's just not... <clears throat> People. Whoa. What is this? Okay. Um, so let's get started. First, I'm going to... Uh, I'm just going to... I'm hoping to expand on some of these topics on future episodes. Um, and, and I guess... Whoa. I got foam. I'm, yeah, I'm hoping to expand on some of these topics in future episodes, but for right now, I'm just going to talk about them for a little bit. So, the Wendigo, is, uh, the vast majority of reports on record suggest that the Bigfoot creatures are are the largely soli- are largely solitary and prefer to stay away from peeps, humans and stuff, as much as possible, because, you know... Even when Bigfoot and pe- and people do cross paths, um, the beasts generally use intimidation to ward off unwelcome visitors and, per- and perhaps even stranger methods too, such as infrasound, sort of like bears and stuff. There are, however, rare and not entirely verified accounts of Sa- Sasquatches uh, mutilating, killing, and even eating people. Thankfully, such reports are in the minority, unless that is one. Unless that is one is the is of the opinion that many of the thousands of people who go missing in the U.S. every year are helping in most in a most unfortunate way to feed and fuel Sasquatches, the Sasquatch. All of which brings us to a creature that has for centuries been greatly feared by native americans the win- the windigo this is a uh, i'm pretty sure largely um an ontarian uh cryptid I- ontario canada and uh just wanted to get that out of the way a terrifying thing that appears to Prominently within the lore of the Algonquin peoples, the most widespread and populated of the native of the Aboriginal groups, with uh, tribes originally numbering in the hundreds, the Wendigo is an evil, cannibalistic, and rampaging creature with the ability to possess human human souls and minds, forcing them to do their dark the the Wendigo's dark bidding. I didn't know they had eBay back then. I want you to do my bidding. So you want us to go on eBay or something? Um, yeah, it's messed up. Humans have the ability to transform it into a Wendigo. Especially if... What? Whoa. Especially if they're engaged in cannibalism. 
Notably, in centuries past, those who were suspected by the Algonquin of being Wendigos were decapitated after death to prevent them from rising from the grave, going on slaughtering, eating, murdering rampages. So beautiful. Many of the reports of the Wendigo are focused around large for forests, freezing cold, and winter environments. I have those. And dark woods. In, in light of that, there is a theory of the stories of the Wendigo as a result of A. A distortion of... Wait. Distortion of real events involving... Aboriginal peoples who were forced to resort to cannibalism when food was scarce in the winter months, and B, tales told to try to dissuade people from cannibalism by making them think that eating human flesh could turn them into Wendigos. That the Wendigos is... That the Wendigo is very often described as large, marauding, humanoid beast that dwells deep in the forest, however... Disc that dwells deep in the forest and eats the bad children. Um, however, suggests we should leave the the door open to highly disturbing possibility that in the past and far more than today, Bigfoot viewed us as its prey. <laughs> that rhymes. I'm a poet. I'm a poet, and I knew it actually. So that that's the story of the Wendigo, that murders cannibalistic thingy majigger. So yeah, but before I go on anymore, I would like to say that I'm very I'm I'm proud to announce that within within this week, within the couple days that after I publish this podcast. I will be going on a trip to the Okanagan Valley. So I'm going to be looking for... Well, I'm going to be searching for the uh, Ogopogo. The funny little Ogopogo. So, yeah. And I will let you know if anything happens. Here. The Slenderman. This one, it, we all know this one. If you don't, you must you must have been living under a rock for 40 years. You must have been living under a rock for quite a long time if you've never heard of the Slenderman. Sl Slenderman. This guy's... Yeah. So, you know, if you don't know, you, sh you should uh, pr probably do this. Not, not listen to. So, here, the Slenderman. Here's some notes I've gotten. In uh, 2015, publicity was given to the story coming out of the UK of seeings. Not sightings, seeings. In, in and around Britain's Canock. Canock? I'm butchering, I'm murdering that name. The Canock Chase Woods. Of something described as looking like the legendary Slenderman. It is it is a fictional it's a fictional character created in June two thousand nine by Eric Knudsen using the um the the smart I like this name but the alias of 
Victor Surge at the forum section of the Something Awful website, who took his inspiration from the world of horror fiction. Um, so, this thing, uh, first I'd like to state that this thing is not real. People are just, there, there was a terrible, um, not really an accident, but a terrible tragedy of these two 12-year-old girls luring their friend into the wood, the woods, and, um, stabbing their friend 19 times, I think? Uh, wait, before, before you, uh think this is too scary, um, the, the, the child that was stabbed lived, they lived, and they said that, um, they, they blamed it on the Slender Man that he forced them to do it, so I just want you to know that the Slender Man is not real, and if you think it's real, you, you should probably go to, like, an, ins an insane asylum or something, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But it just don't think it's real. It's not real. It's just something that a weird guy created on the internet, photoshopped to win a contest. So that's what I want. That's what I want you to know. It's not real. And um if you think it's real, please change your mind. Um the slender man is a creepy creature indeed. Tall, thin, with long arms, a blank, faceless even expression, and wearing a dark suit. Damn it, it's my cat. Hey, come here, come here. Come here, off the bed. You're being annoying. I love you, but you're being annoying. Uh, sounding almost like a... <laughs> uh, here. Tall, thin, with long arms, a blank... Faceless even expression and wearing a dark suit sounding almost like a nightmarish version of the men in black. I will talk about those not not in this episode, but I will get to an episode eventually. This guy's going snazzy. If he if he had a face and wasn't so creepy and murderous, man, he could be like James Bond. What well, well there's no doubt that Serge or Knudsen was the creator of what was what quickly became a definitive viral meme. People have claimed to have seen the Slender Man in the real world. So yeah, like I said, Slender Man is not real. It is not real. It it cannot hurt you cuz it's not real. So yeah, and uh, in other words, so the theory goes, it's a case of believing that the existence of Slenderman, and as a result, it causes it causing it to actually exist, which is very, which is sort of like the phenomenon of the tul of the tulpa. I I was gonna I'm gonna do a little segment in here about that. So the tulpa, I'm just gonna give you a little history. So the t the tulpa is in Tibetan. Tibetan lore, it, if, if, if enough people focus their, their thoughts on one thing, such as the Slender Man, it is believed by Tibet, Tibetans, Tibetan monks, that if enough pe or if one person, or enough people focus their energy, their thinking energy thing, um, enough on one thing, it will manifest itself 
from the Tulpa to create things like the Slenderman. An entity is um, envisioned in the mind, and the imagery becomes so powerful that it becomes real. So, yeah. It becomes a real-world phenomenon, which is what people are trying to explain the Slender Man is, as. So, such a scenario may well explain why people are now seeing something that that began as a piece of fiction. As all of which brings us to the matter of the recent story of the Slender Man of Canock Chase, the, the forest. As people... Wait... Oh, sorry. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. The Canuck Chase. As the people who have followed my... The... Like, um... Never mind. Uh... So, um... Here. Uh... And the chase area. The Canuck Chase area. It's filled with reports of the so-called alien big cats, Bigfoot-type beasts, flying humanoids, giant snakes... S- snakes and other creatures of of a much more monstrous nature and now it seems that <laughs> the slender man has started to call those dark woods his domain too in in january 20, 24th 2015 that that appeared in the birmingham Mail newspaper titled "Spooky Slenderman Spotted in Canock." Mike Lockley wrote. And I'm just gonna take a little break for a second, and uh, I'll be right back. Mike Lockley wrote for the Birmingham da- n- Mail newspaper. A paranormal probe has been launched in the Midlands following four sightings of the Slenderman. Long, stick-thin specters feared around the world. Each of the chilling close encounters took place in the Canuck area, and now X-Files investigator Lee Brickley is trying to fathom why the ghoul has descended on the Staffordshire mining town. Slender Man has been part of of global folklore for centuries. They may be known by different names, but their harrowing, elongated appearance remains the same around the world. Okay, we're back, and right now, we have a sighting, an actual sighting of the Slenderman. In Mike's, uh, by Englishman named Mike Johnson, back in 2001, Mike had an encounter with the Canock Chase, with, with, that sounds very much like the Slenderman. In Mike's own words, quote, this character was tall with very thin arms and legs, dressed in what I, pre- what I presumed were gray trousers and a tight, long-sleeved shirt of the same color. His hairless head was elongated, and his neck, spi- and neck spindly, and his arms reached practically past his knees. I could not discern facial features. I realized he was around three meters tall. Unquote. It must be said that just about every aspect of the description of this creature conjures up a Slenderman-like Im- imagery. 
of to be cut there. In, in view of this, one has to wonder, did the 2009 creation of the Slenderman meme create a topo-like living equivalent, or did a real, earlier Slenderman exist before the fictional one was, looking, was looming over the horizon? Some monsters, like Bigfoot, the Chupacabra, and the Yeti, Ogopogo, and Loch Ness Monster, are seen time and time again across decades, sometimes even centuries. There are, however, few bizarre beasts that put in very brief appearances for, for startled eyewitnesses, and soon vanish, never to be seen again. Perhaps there is, n there is no better example of the latter than what has become known as the Dover Demon. Dun dun dun! Dun. It was around 10.30 p.m. on the night of April 21st, 1977, when all hell broke loose. William Bartlett, called, often called by his friends or people he knew as Bill Bartlett, then 17, was driving along Farm Street in Dover, Massachusetts, sorry, yeah, um, when he spotted something both amazing and terrifying sitting on a wall. It was nothing less than, than a small, almost goblin-like beast of about three and a half feet in height that had huge glowing eyes and quote-unquote tendrils for fingers. Very curiously, it lacked ears, a nose, and a mouth. As for its head, it was described as being quote, melon-like and extremely pale. Given that Barclet, Bart, Bartlett later said, Quote, it scared me to death, unquote. It's hardly surprising that he didn't hang around to get a good look at it. Fortunately for, for Bartlett, however, his testimony didn't stand alone. Well, what was almost certainly the same creature was almost was almost also seen on the same night by local boy, John Baxter. It was after midnight when Baxter left his girlfriend's house and made his way home on foot. As he did so, Baxter caught sight in the darkness of a small humanoid figure standing he figure heading in his direction. Evidently, the creature hadn't hadn't no noticed Baxter at least until the last moment when it suddenly bounded off into the nearby woods. Baxter decided to give chase across a field, through the dark woods, and finally to a gully, where he took a break. It was then that Baxter saw the animal leaning against the, against a tree. He said, quote, as I, was, as I was looking really close, there I could see the eyes. It was looking at me. I just thought at it for, I just thought at it for a few minutes, and then... And I just got all these thoughts that maybe it was something really strange. Because, you know, nothing nothing ever happened to me like this before. And so I didn't know what to think. So I finally got, got the thought that maybe it wasn't as safe as, as it looked. Because the, the way it was staring at me, it seemed like it was, I don't know, I, 
I got all these feelings that it was thinking it was thinking to itself or waiting to spring or whatever, you know. And so I backed up to the bank kind of fast and my heart started beating really fast. Unquote. The next evening, the Dover demon scared the life out of Abby Brabham Brabham and Will Will Tainter. Who saw, who saw it near a bridge on Springdale Avenue. Brabham, 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 I think, Brabham, Brabham, recalled, quote, As I looked at it, it kind of looked for a minute like an ape. And then I, then I looked at the head of the, th the head, and the head was very big. It was very weird, it had, it was a very weird head. It had bright green eyes and eyes that just glowed like they were looking exactly at me, unquote. Theory time. It's time for a theory on what the on what this Dova demon could be. I there's one that it could be an extraterrestrial because it is matching the uh, the description of the classic gray alien. If you ever heard of that. Or. It could be. An escaped government experiment. Because it was only spotted. Within two three days. And that. Which supports the. Um, alien or. Government. Um, experiment thing. Such as. It, the government experiment got loose and found its way to Dover, Massachusetts. Or, and then it was caught three days later. Or maybe it was an extraterrestrial. Which also would explain why it was only seen for three days. It is sent to Earth to examine us peoples. And then go back to its home planet. There's a conspiracy for you. Now, where was I? <laughs> and then, it was gone. The town of Dover, only about 15 miles from the city of Boston, had been visited by a monster but one that didn't hang around and never returned. Given that all three witnesses were teenagers, skeptical folks suggest the whole thing was, no was nothing stranger than a prank perpetrated by or on the trio. To his, cre to his credit, however, Police Chief Carl Sheridan came to the defense of Bartlett, calling him an outstanding artist and reliable witness. So, what was so what was the now legendary Dover Demon? It is not the result of a, of a prank. What could have what could it have been? Lauren Coleman, one of the wor world's leading cryptozoologists still alive, gave his opinion on the mystery of the Dover Demon. The sh quote the short story, no pun intended, is is that over a two-day period in April 1977, 
four people saw a small, four-foot-tall, orange, shark-skinned creature, some, somewhat like Gollum in The Lord of the Rings, in three separate sightings in Dover, Massachusetts, a rural lo- location near Boston. The case goes down as unexplainable. I don't know the answer to, to what really happened, as all the witnesses checked out and were found to be credible by law enforcement and other people in Dover. Unquote. There are, however, down-to-earth explanations, even if they sound unlikely. The, quote, Iron Skeptic says, quote, Some theorize that the creature was, in fact, a fox that had contracted a disease of some sort that caused severe swelling and bloating. Others others that have theorized that the creature was, in fact, a baby moose. Martin Kottmeyer, who went to great lengths explaining why he thought this, and Lauren Coleman went to equally great lengths explaining why this wasn't true. My main problem with this theory is that it was reported to be standing on two legs by Baxter. However, it is not unreasonable to theorize that if it were indeed a moose, it would be feeding from the upper parts of the tree and that it would be leaning on its two front legs, unquote. In all likelihood, we will never know the true nature of the Dover Demon. All we can say for sure is that whatever it was, it left a deep impression on the people of that little town and decades later, it still does. Mm-hmm. And this is like a world famous thing too. People... There's, like, Japanese toys of the Dover Demon. So, yeah, it's fairly famous. Here. Visualize in your mind the fully formed image of of a Sasquatch, a werewolf, Slenderman, Huge black dog with glowing red eyes. A yeti. The list goes on and on. Then, imagine being able to project the same monstrous thing, imagery, externally. And to the point where your monster, uh, where your quote, monster of the mind, strides out of your imagination and into the real world. In doing so, it takes on its own quasi-dependent form of life. Albeit, a, a very strange form of life. You have just given birth to what in Tibetan lore is known as a tulpa. Creating a mind monster is creating a mind monster is not without its hazards. However, in fact, it's an action that will is almost always filled with danger that will murder you. Cer- certainly, no no one that no one more than Dame Alexandra. Dale David Niao, born in, eight, in 1868. David Niao, who I hope I'm not murdering that name, who, ex, who, explo, who lived to the impression and, and ripe old age of 100, extensively explored 
Tibet and immersed himself in the in the in his culture and people. She also learned of the Tibetan lore surrounding the Tulpa. To the to the extent that she decided to try and create one. It was an action that proved costly and almost disastrous disastrously. So for David ne- so, so for David Neal. Yeah. She said, once the Tulpa is endowed with enough vitality, vitality, sorry, it is to be capable of playing the part of a real being. It tends to free itself from its maker's control. This, say, Tibetan occultists happen nearly mechanically, just as a child, when, when his body is complete is completed and able to live apart leaves its mother's womb sometimes the fa- the phantom becomes a rebellious son years of uncanny struggles that have taken place between magicians and their creatures the former being severely hurt or even killed by the latter i choose my experiment a most insignificant character a monk, short and fat, of an innocent and jolly type. I proceed to perform the prescribed concentration of thought and other rites. After a few months, the phantom monk was formed. His form grew, gradually fixed and lifelike looking. He became a kind of a guest, living in my apartment, and then broke my seclusion and started for a tour with my servants and tents. The monk included himself in the party, though I lived in an open in the open, riding on horseback for miles each day. The illusion persisted, I saw the fat tulpa, and now then and now then it was not necess- it, it was not necessarily for me to think of him to to make him appear. The phantom performed various actions of the kind that are natural to tra- for to travelers and that I and that I had not commanded. For instance, he walked, stopped, and looked around him. The illusion was mostly visual. But sometimes I felt as if the road was li- the robe was, li- was lightly rubbing against me. And once a hand seemed to touch my shoulder. The features which I had imagined when building my phantom gradually underwent a change. The fat, chubby-cheeked fellow grew leaner. His face assumed a vaguely mocking, sly, malignant malignant, malignant, look. (laughs) He He began more troublesome and bold. In brief, he escaped my control once a herdsman who brought me a present of butter saw the tulpa in my tent and took and took it for a living llama. I ought to have let the phenomenon follow its course, but the but the presence of the unwanted companion began to prove trying to my nerves. It turned into a a day nightmare. Moreover, I was beginning to plan my journey to, to Lhasa, 
and and needed a quiet brain devoid of other preoccupations. So I decided to 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 dissolve the phantom. I succeeded, but only after six months of hard struggle, my mind creature was tenacious of life. There was n there is nothing strange in the fact that I may have created my own hallucination. The interesting point is that is that in these cases of materialization, others see the thought forms that have been created. Unquote. Finally. Take careful note of Alexand Alexandra David Neal's words and remember this. When, you, when you, we create a tulpa, we do so at our own utmost peril. It, it's not all too easy to unleash the genie from our bottle. It is very, it's a very different thing. However, to, to return it, it that bottle, or to try to return it into the bottle. So, don't unleash a tulpa. Well, thank you for listening to Phenomena Nations, episode, um, 19, episode 19 of Phenomena Nations. It's been a very fascinating episode, and, um, yeah. So, I'm going to start a couple new things on this podcast. So, at the end of this episode, like, this is the end of the episode, so I'm going to recommend a podcast for you to listen to, but please never give up Phenomena Nations, but you should listen to, um, uh, the podcast Astonishing Legends with, with Forrest Griffin and Scott Philbrook. And I'm going to recommend something for you to read. It's a book called The Hobbit. And if you haven't read it, you're just crazy. You should read it. It's a very good book. The, it's the best book of the century. It's, it's, it's the greatest book ever. Best book I've ever read. So, yeah. So remember, kids. There's some scary sh** out there. And if you want to check out my previous podcast episodes, check those out. Check out Astonishing Legends Podcast, and you should read the book The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Anyway, thanks for listening, and see you all in the... Well, you'll hear me in the next episode. See ya. <laughs>